0: breaking and entering drunken disorderly law and order a former prosecutor and a defense lawyer not your typical pairing and the result conversations about crime and punishment that are guaranteed to get you thinking
1: welcome to justice matters with joe crowley and lizzie green a brand new weekly podcast our episodes are available on apple podcast spotify and youtube Check out our Instagram for clips at Justice Matters Pod. Enjoy the episode. This episode contains descriptions of violence, neglect of children, and family violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Lizzie. How Hello. are you?
0: Good, Joe. How are you?
1: I'm well. Nice to see you.
0: Good to be here.
1: All right. We have another difficult topic again to talk about this week.
0: We do. We do. We've talked in. Other episodes about specifically violence against women, Mm. murder of, you know, various people. Intimate partner homicide. Intimate partner homicide. Mm -hmm. Dangerous driving causing death. You know, we've touched on pretty horrible things. Mm. But today's episode is going to be a tough one. Mm. But I think it's one that needs to be talked about a little bit. And it's about the killing of children Mm. specifically and in the context of parents, carers, guardians, being the ones who commit the killing. It is upsetting to research, Mm. to read about, to talk about. And, you know, I feel emotional about it. Mm. I'm sure, you know, listening to it will be tough, but this is something that has been the focus of some attention by the government, by the media, in recent years. It's often,
1: am I right in saying my recollection is certainly, it's often in the media and the complaints are that parents who are involved in killing their children aren't getting the kind of sentences that they, that certainly the newspaper and perhaps society thinks that they should. Absolutely. Um, And then you said it was involved, the the government uh, looked at it recently, that's in Queensland here.
0: Yes. So a lot of what we'll talk about today is Queensland focused Mm. in terms of the law itself, but Unfortunately, the issue of child homicide is not just a national but a global consideration, particularly in the context of abuse and neglect, you know, and that leading to death. And I think we had a pretty shocking report in the media from New South Wales last year about...
1: So the cases you're looking at are not just from Queensland and I think you've got an international case. I do, I do.
0: But the law that I'm going to talk about, is specific to Queensland. So right. I should make that disclaimer at the start.
1: Right, but it's a it's the, it's the same sort of law principles. that exists. Yeah, principles exist. That's uh, right. Yes. Okay. All right, what do we what's our first case? Okay.
0: So, I just want to give you a little bit of background. Yeah. So, generally here in Queensland, also in Australia, generally in order to be convicted of murder, the prosecution have to be able to show that the offender had an intention to cause death, or in some jurisdictions, an intention to cause what we refer to as grievous bodily harm, so really serious injury. Mm. Some states require an intent to kill <clears throat> for a murder charge. Only so. Yeah, WA. For only example. an intent to kill. Yep.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: And then, if you are found guilty, it is mandatory life in prison. Mm. If you are responsible for the death of someone but you haven't acted with a specific intent to cause that death or to cause really serious harm, most jurisdictions then have the lesser offense of manslaughter.
1: Yeah. So you 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 do you're causally connected to the death, something that you do causes the death, but you don't have that intention to kill them or do yeah. serious injury.
0: So your culpability is different. Yeah. And so you're guilty of the killing, but you're only subject to a maximum mm. of life imprisonment and the judge decides what the appropriate punishment is.
1: So the standard manslaughter case is a fight outside a pub where somebody falls over, bangs their head on the yeah. gutter and dies or something. Yep. That's a, a That's, your, your sort of typical manslaughter. Yep.
0: Yeah, there are two types, two types of manslaughter. One is manslaughter on the basis of intentional violence yep. of some kind. Yeah. That was not intended to cause death or yeah. GBH.
1: So you're just in a fight with someone, yep.
0: Um, And then the other type of manslaughter is manslaughter on the basis of what we call criminal negligence. Mm-hmm. That you have acted or failed to act in a way that you were required to, to do yeah. and you've been so negligent that we class it as criminal negligence yeah. and you're responsible for yeah. the consequence. Yeah. And so when that consequence is death, you are guilty of manslaughter, even though legally you may not be able to prove an unlawful killing.
1: Yeah. Those ones are less common, aren't they? The, the criminal negligence affect manslaughters.
0: Except when it comes to child homicide.
1: Yes. So mm-hmm. those are the most common. All right. So did you want to set up the the child neglect homicides?
0: I do. I do. So the case that I wanted to start with, Relates to a little 22-month-old called Mason Jet Lee. Mm. And this is now quite an old case. Mm. 2016, he was killed. This is a lot to take on, but I'll give you the facts of this case. So he was the fifth child of Anne-Marie Lee. She was in a relationship with a guy called William O'Sullivan at the Mm. time that little Mason died. These two didn't live together, but they lived near each other. It was not a peaceful relationship. Mm. It was a a violent relationship. At about 12.50 a.m. back in June 2016, um, police officers and paramedics attended at William O'Sullivan's address And when they arrived, he ran out into the yard and he was holding this little 22-month-old boy in his arms. He passed Mason over the fence to the paramedics on the other side. And it was obvious to the paramedics immediately that Mason was dead Mm -hmm. and that he had been dead. For some time, he was wearing a dirty white singlet and nothing else. The police officers who attended, the paramedics who attended, immediately observed bruises on his face, his arms, his legs Mm. and body, as Mm. well as some severe injuries to his anus, Mm. which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm. But William O'Sullivan told the police that he had fed Mason when he got home that night. He said that Mason vomited after that and he cleaned him up. He said that at that point, one of his friends came over and they were, you know, hanging out together. Later on, he said he removed Mason's nappy and gave him a bottle. And then he said while he was sitting in the kitchen with his friend, he heard a coughing noise. He saw that Mason's lips were clamped on the bottle and his lips were blue. He said he phoned triple zero, commenced CPR, at which time Mason had begun to blow up like a balloon. He said he forced his fingers. Into Mason's anus in an attempt to release the air in his stomach okay. Thereby causing those visible injuries mm. So that was his first version of events Yeah, He went on to give different versions of events mm-hmm. As to what had happened that night He was obviously dead He was taken by the paramedics There was a lot that happened afterwards There was a criminal trial or criminal charges There was also a coroner's inquest yeah. And I'm going to come back to the criminal trial But I wanted to set the scene in terms of what the coroner found.
1: So does the coroner's inquest go after the criminal trial?
0: Um, I think it was before Mm -hmm. and not that there was, I think, ever any real doubt as to the fact that the version of events given by O'Sullivan was not true. Mm. So there was suspicion about Mason's death immediately. But the coroner's report detailed what the coroner thought had happened but also all of the medical evidence relating to little mason and then both the mother and william o'sullivan were charged in relation to mason's death so we'll come to that Mm -hmm. but so this is hard to hear because Mm -hmm. this is everything that this poor little baby boy had suffered yes so there was a full autopsy three days after he died and it revealed Firstly, that he was in the 50th percentile for his age. He had no underlying medical conditions, which would have contributed to his death. Apart from all of the injuries catalogued, he was internally a healthy, normal, almost two-year-old. It revealed that he had been severely mistreated for Mm. some time before his death. There was toxicology results that showed the presence of methamphetamine and amphetamines in his system. The list of injuries catalogued at the time of his death were as follows. There was a rash on his face and around his eyes, weeping lesion under his eye, three mouth ulcers, an ulcer in his ear, five anal fissures, so tears, Mm. the most severe being 24 millimetres long and four millimetres deep, A partially prolapsed rectum, a total of 46 separate bruises to his body, Mm. an old fracture of his left leg, six internal hemorrhages on his scalp, Mm. severe injuries to his abdominal and pelvic cavity, and a fracture of the coccyx, which had occurred more than several days prior to Mm. his death. Yeah. So we just think about the size of a 22-month-old, how it's even possible for that amount of injuries to have been inflicted. Mm. It boggles my mind. Mm. So the summary, he had suffered displacement of his large bowel and rectum, displaced fracture of his coccyx, a fracture of his tibia, 46 bruises, ulcers, scalp hemorrhages, consistent with head trauma and hair pulling, and several bowel injuries which led to infection of the peritoneum and sepsis. So the finding was that the... Abdominal injuries were caused by blunt force trauma, which could have been in the form of squeezing or impact, which they compared to the types of injuries you would see in a high velocity motor vehicle collision Mm. or by a fall onto a focal point. Yeah. But both of those injuries to the abdomen could have been caused by a single blow or they could have been two separate incidents they felt the coccyx fracture was a separate blunt force trauma mm. such as a punch or a kick mm. that was inflicted several days prior to his death the anal fissures were not recent but the forensic pathologist couldn't say for sure how they had been inflicted yeah. and the the bruises were caused by multiple blunt force trauma mm. so from the time he received those abdominal injuries until he died he would have been in severe pain mm feeling extremely unwell, vomiting and febrile and experiencing altered levels of consciousness. And that was what they could ascertain from the autopsy. Mm. So let's just take that in for a minute. Mm. It is beyond horrific Mm. to think about the degree of abuse Mm. that this little tiny body suffered. His last days and probably much of his short little life Mm. would have been filled with pain, confusion, fear. Mm. What happened? Okay, this is where we want to see justice. Both Amber Lee and William O'Sullivan were charged with one count of manslaughter Mm -hmm. in relation to Mason, plus one count of cruelty to a child under the age of 16 Mm -hmm. because they failed to provide him with adequate medical treatment in which they Ought to have known that they should have given. Yep. The manslaughter charge was also considered a domestic violence charge as yes. well. So that was a circumstance of aggravation that yes. was added. Yes. They both pleaded guilty yes. to that, that charge. There was no trial. Yes. O'Sullivan's criminal history was pretty lengthy Yep, He had prior offences because violence. of drug addiction um, He had a disposition for violence mm. and cruelty mm. But it was submitted to the court that his plea of guilt was timely And it was consistent with remorse Okay He was imprisoned on remand and he did attempt suicide at that time. He was admitted to a mental health ward. He was severely assaulted in prison, Mm -hmm. resulting in bleeding on the brain, broken fingers, a fracture to the skull, a fractured cheekbone, amputation of part of a finger. So he he was not
1: popular in prison. prison,
0: He was originally sentenced to imprisonment for nine years for the manslaughter charge on Mason. Yeah. Um, a, parole, a parole eligibility date at six years and it was appealed. And so he was re-sentenced to 12 years imprisonment. Okay. Which and parole seems after? No declaration for parole, oh. just at the halfway point.
1: Oh, so he's got a better parole than after his. Oh.
0: oh, I didn't see any reference if to that.
1: I wonder if it's uh, that after 10 years you've got to serve oh, 80% SVO. or something. Yeah. Yes, yes, Yeah, okay, yeah, so he served 80%. Serious violent offender.
0: Okay. Yes, that was it. All right. So I I think that's, you know, 12 years was high. I, I mean, you know, fair, high. I think 12 years is good. Mm. Um, when you
1: say good, just explain sorry, what you mean
0: by good. I should say just. Yes. Okay. I think about what he must have done to yes. Mason. Yes. And I think that a period of imprisonment over 10 years is necessary? Yes. I I would call it murder. Yes. Even though the courts did not the, the prosecution did not they called it manslaughter. Mm. I think even if it wasn't an intent with one blow to kill the persistent treatment of him showed an intention. Anyway. Is it
1: so but isn't this exactly your issue with this is your point? Yeah. So they don't charge with murder.
0: For manslaughter, 12 years is high. Yes. Like when we think about punishments you can get for manslaughter, it can be as little as two to three years. So I'll give you a side note, an example that comes to mind. You might remember the honeymoon killer. He was an American who came over with his wife and they went scuba diving in North Queensland, Gabe Watson, and he was an experienced diver. His wife had not dived before and she got into trouble. And there was some evidence he tried to help her, but then he chose to leave her to die and he saved himself. You know, he just went up to the surface and he got charged with manslaughter on the basis of negligence that he should have helped her and he didn't. He served 18 months for that. You know, so that's an example of how low the penalty can be. So I think in terms of. A manslaughter charge, 12 years is definitely at the higher end of what would be usually imposed.
1: So, this is this. So, you started to talk about intention. I think I interrupted you, but that's really the crucial point, isn't it? You know, is there an intention to kill or Mm. do serious harm? And am I right in saying it's problematic in these kind of child neglect cases? Because if it is neglect, in that you just fail to provide the child with what they need. You know that's can be you know it might be just because you are a, a criminally negligently hopeless parent, but it doesn't necessarily prove this intention to kill. I mean, the intentional violence that's obviously inflicted on Mason Jetley that is different. Is different, but again, is the, is the issue? Tell me if I'm wrong. The issue is that none of the injuries of themselves were fatal injuries in terms of the.
0: Well, it's partly that, but also partly that. In terms of proving intent Mm. at law, you have to prove what's called direct intent, Mm. meaning the crown have to establish that when you did whatever you did, you were acting with the purpose or the design of causing death or grievous bodily harm. So you have to have that in your mind. Yeah. As opposed
1: to what's the opposite, what's the the, the flip side to direct intent? I don't encourage people to read The Queen Against Peter's. No, but it could be
0: like... Recklessness. foreseeability or recklessness yeah. that you do something and you should know, you yeah. should appreciate yeah. that there is the risk of death or GBH. Yeah. So it's a really it's a really high bar mm. for intent at law. Yes. And so this charge of manslaughter as an alternative mm. is obviously much easier to prove. Yes. And often even when someone has been charged with murder, a plea of guilt to manslaughter will be accepted by the prosecution for a variety of reasons. Yes. But it means that life imprisonment is off the table. Yes. You know, that culpability for that degree of malice is gone. Yeah. So 12 years was a high sentence for a manslaughter charge. Yes. In relation to Lee, the mother, she also was charged with manslaughter Mm. on the basis of negligence. Yes. That she should have acted To protect him,
1: fail to okay, and fail to provide medical um, assistance. Yeah, I mean,
0: she said he wouldn't let her see him. Right. That William O'Sullivan was keeping him at the house in some kind of power move over her. Right. But turns out she was in contact with various support services. Yeah. Even two days before Mason died, Mm. and she never mentioned Mm. that he was at risk or. Mm. She said William was a good person to look after him.
1: Okay.
0: The court considered a number of factors when determining what penalty she should get. They said that a mother's neglect of her child, which results in that child's death, is an appalling offence. However, it's not to be compared with an unlawful killing constituted by a deliberate violent act. Mm -hmm. Um, In cases of neglect the offender's personal circumstances become very relevant in determining a just sentence. Those circumstances might explain why a mother Mm. would act in a way that is so inconsistent with normal expectations. Yes. And look, Amber Lee had had a horrible life. Mm. She was absolutely a victim herself of violence, Mm. but there were choices she made that are not explicable, that did not demonstrate any care for her child.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, So, what did
1: she get? What was her
0: So, she was sentenced to nine years Mm. imprisonment with a parole eligibility date that happened to be five months later because she had already served two and a half years. Okay. So, effectively she was asked, to serve three years in prison for Mason's death.
1: Okay. And what do you think of that sentence?
0: I think that is not okay. Mm -hmm. She knew that he was in danger. Mm. She knew that he was injured and unwell. She had the means to get help, to alert people to the situation, and these were choices she made not to do that. I think... That And I've said this before, maybe not to you, but Mm. I remember going to get a puppy and a kitten at a rescue shelter. And we were there for almost an entire day. Oh, wow. Filling out paperwork and having checks done to make sure we had a suitable home. And I think people can just have children Mm. and then treat them like this. And three years in custody, Mm. I think... Is not reflective.
1: No. Was that um, appealed?
0: Yes, but it was not disturbed on appeal.
1: Okay. And what was the, did you, was there any reporting about it? what was the sort of the public um, feeling, if you can judge that by newspapers?
0: The public outrage at this was substantial. There okay. was definitely a feeling of.
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves.
0: with the sentencing. More so, I think, about Lee Mm. than O'Sullivan, although the nine years initially was problematic.
1: Yeah. But even the 12 years, was that felt to be... I I
0: didn't see media reports after. After that. Okay, yeah. The appeal court said about her liability that because she had shown remorse, because she was the victim herself and her culpability was different, Mm. the original trial judge had not been incorrect in setting nine years Mm -hmm. there was a lot a lot of reference to similar cases yes so we have this huge system where we look at past cases to give us or give the court's guidance Mm. as to what is an appropriate sentence and the reference like you read through how many cases there are yeah of children being killed at the Mm. hands of their parents Mm. and getting anywhere between seven to ten years yeah, for that. Yeah. And in fact, I looked at statistics and the average penalty for child homicide, 6.8 years. Wow. Okay, yeah. These are children. Yeah. So, so many problems.
1: Well, I know that there was a, a lot of outrage in Queensland 18 months, uh, two years ago, was it? Uh, um, and there was, uh, and that I think is how it came before the government again to sort of do something about the sentences in these cases?
0: So, the Queensland Sentencing Advisory Council Mm. did an inquiry Mm. into child homicide and community perceptions of sentencing and there was just widespread dissatisfaction. And so, the government had to take note of that and recommendations were made. And so, there was law reform and I, for a moment, was excited at Mm. the progress we were making. And so, the reform was based on the recommendations that a new murder charge should be introduced in Queensland so that someone who maybe did not have that specific intent to cause death or grievous bodily harm Mm. could still be charged with murder if it was able to be proved they acted with what we call reckless indifference to life. Yeah. Meaning the probable consequence would have been what it was. Yeah. And they did or didn't do the act regardless. Yeah.
1: So they don't intend directly, they don't think oh, I'm going to make sure this child dies. They just engage in a conduct which they ought to know will end in the child dying.
0: That's right. Yeah. And so for a really long time there has been reckless indifference murder in other jurisdictions. New okay. South Wales had it has had it for years. Okay. The difference being New South Wales and other jurisdictions do not have mandatory life, life in, in prison. prison. Yeah. So the the penalties for child homicide, even when it's called murder in those different jurisdictions, is still quite low.
1: really okay
0: yeah let me give you some statistics yep. why this is such a big concern. yeah so this is um, research from Australia like this is Australia wide. Unfortunately, Australia records a relatively high incidence of child homicide as compared to other jurisdictions, other nations, about 10% of homicides in Australia are child victims. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The majority of child homicides are committed within the child's home and the rate of homicides for infants under the age of one is eight times as high as those for children aged one to 14. Wow. So there's evidence that the older a child gets, yeah. the less likely they are to be killed yeah. in the home. Yeah. Obviously, they can yeah. well, I suppose react, as soon as they, respond, yeah. leave, all of those things. Well, and
1: as soon as they start attending school, then the school authorities can...
0: Oh, we'll talk about that. Okay. <laughs> so we have had recognition that more needs to be done mm. nationally about yep. this. And since 2010 in Queensland, there have been little things chipping away at... Punishment and dealing with this. So our legislation that talks about sentencing, the Penalties and Sentences Act, um, has added considerations that if it is an offence of violence against a child, imprisonment is not a last resort. Consider imprisonment as a starting point. If it is a child under the age of 12, consider that an aggravating factor when sentencing. So there have been moves to become harsher with punishment. But I still think the problem lies with the classification of the offences manslaughter, yep. and then the the typical sentence being less than ten years.
1: Have we had a case? We haven't had a reckless and indifference murder case, have we? We, have, that, not. we no, have not. We have not. We haven't tested that.
0: And I, oh, you know, I got so excited because I I teach criminal law, yes, and obviously I. Keep up to date. Yes, I update I know, my lectures agree. every yes, semester, yes. and so I saw in May 2019 the introduction of our reckless indifference murder charge. Yep. I was like, amazing! Yep. This is going to be the answer to mm. the problem. Yep. And in December 2019, a mere you know six months later, we had our first defender charged charged okay. under the new provision yep. with murder on the basis of reckless indifference.
1: Yes. So do you have the facts of that case? I do. All right. I
0: do. And I think this made, you know, headlines as well nationally. So, okay. again, unpleasant to listen to. Mm. Um, but this was a woman called Kerry Ann Conley. Mm. And she was charged with murder in relation to her one and two-year-old daughters. And so, this offence occurred November 2019, Queensland right on the edge of summer yeah. and Connolly had been at a friend's house the night before. She'd so I taken, probably should
1: say for those who aren't familiar with Queensland weather, what average temperatures in summer in Queensland? Oh, like 35. 30 degrees oh, Celsius, Between yeah. 30 and 35. Yes, yeah. So yeah. Celsius, nice and warm. Very warm. Yes. Yes.
0: So she'd taken her daughters with her to the friend's house. Yeah. She had had drugs, alcohol. She got home at about 4 a.m. She pulled the car into the front yard and just parked it in the front yard, not undercover, not in a carport. And she went inside, but she locked up the car and left the girls in the car. They were asleep. At about 1.20 p.m., she went out to the car. She couldn't rouse the girls. Yes. She says she took them into the bathroom to splash water on their faces to see if she could revive them, but she couldn't. She then called her ex-partner yeah. in a panic, saying, yeah. I can't wake them. He said, call the ambulance. And she did. Yeah. And at one forty, the ambulance got there and both the little girls were obviously dead.
1: Yeah. Okay. So parked in the front yard, windows up, presumably. Windows
0: up, doors locked. And doors strapped locked. Strapped into their seats.
1: Strapped in their seats. And then when the sun comes up, it's in the indirect sun. And for anybody who's lived in Queensland or any hot climates... Cars obviously get incredibly hot inside. Yes. Um, Would you like to
0: know what they estimated the temperature? uh, Not really,
1: but tell me anyway.
0: So that day it was about 33 degrees outside. Yep. The expert evidence was that the temperature in that car by mid morning to lunchtime would have been at least 60 degrees. 60 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So what happened here? She said she got home at 4 a.m., she mm. didn't want to wake the girls mm. because that would upset their routine mm. and that she must have passed out when she got inside and when she woke up and went out. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. However, not true. Right. Because there was evidence that she was on her phone until 5.55 a.m. Okay. So, she was awake yep. for at least or almost two hours.
1: Yeah.
0: At 6 a.m., The sun was up. Yeah. 6 a.m. is a normal time for a one and a two-year-old to get up. Yeah. So she could very well have gone and taken her children out of the car at that time. Yeah. Come inside, started the day. She needed to sleep. Mm. So she slept for five hours. Yeah. No, she slept for more than that. And so when she got up at one, that is the first time she decided to go and check on the girls. Mm. Nine hours Mm. after she had brought them home. Mm. So... She also didn't immediately call for help. Yeah. So she did take them into the bathroom.
1: Yeah. Then
0: she decided to get rid of her drug paraphernalia and drug residue that she had in the house. She put that in the bin and then she called her ex-partner and the ambulance. Yeah. She was charged with murder on the basis of reckless indifference. Her treatment of her two baby girls on that day was deemed to demonstrate a total disregard Mm. for their lives and safety Mm. and their deaths were a probable consequence of her actions. And that was what the threshold was for that charge. They characterized her first grossly negligent act to be leaving them in the car. It was a vulnerable place. They were uncared for, unheard, unobserved, and it was dark. Yeah. The second thing was failing to check on them at 6 a.m. Yes. So um, – as,
1: she as she's going as to she sleep. she hopped off her phone yep. before and, she went to and sleep. And you said the sun's up at 6am. I mean, in some of the sun's up earlier than 6am. Way AM. It's like 5, five o'clock sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yep. So it's not like they would have – No. – had their sleep disrupted necessarily. No. And obviously the overarching conduct which created the liability was leaving them for the nine hours yep. unattended. She didn't think about them, didn't care for them or their welfare. Mm. She's the reason they died. Mm. Now, it did turn out that she was a frequent and heavy user of meth, amphetamine. While she was on remand, she told an undercover police officer that she smoked meth daily. Okay. But her children always came first and the drugs did not affect her relationship with them. Okay. The judge, when he heard that, said that was patently a lie, Mm. (laughs) uh, which I liked to Mm. read. She was also known... Sorry,
1: I might just... Before you go on, unpack that for people who aren't familiar with police investigative procedures, I mean, it's not uncommon when people are on remand, i.e. they've been arrested and they're in jail and they haven't been charged yet or they have been charged and they're awaiting trial, that police will put an undercover police officer who is pretending to be a prisoner in with them, Mm. uh, befriend them, talk to them, and that's a pretty common investigative technique. Yes,
0: yes. She was also known to family services. Okay. So she had a history Of leaving her babies in the car unattended Mm. for lengthy periods, usually after getting home in the early hours of the morning from partying with friends or socializing with friends. And she would go inside and sleep. Now, often she would have a friend or relative in the house who would bring the girls in. Yeah. Okay. And that's why this hadn't happened before. Yeah. But it was definitely not a one off isolated incident. Yeah. She knew the risks and she took them anyway. So
1: do you know how old she was?
0: Yeah, she was 27 at the time. Mm, okay. 30 when it came to court. Yeah. When the court was told about what had actually happened mm. to the little girls on that day. This is how it was described in the court documents. When their dead bodies were discovered, their skin was badly blistered. They had suffered dehydration. One can only hope that these little girls slowly succumbed to the growing heat of the day much earlier that morning and faded into a deep sleep from which they never returned. The alternative of them being awake, distressed and trapped in their seats is too much to bear thinking about for too long. Mm. When the paramedics arrived at 140 and touched them, their skin peeled away at the touch and was still hot to touch. They literally baked
1: Mm. in that car, mm.
0: just horrific, yeah. horrific. Yeah, And so I followed all of this from 2019 through 2020. There was a committal yes. hearing on the charge of reckless indifference. Fast forward to 2023. Yes. She pleaded guilty to two counts of manslaughter Yes, on the basis of criminal negligence. Yes. She received a sentence of nine years' imprisonment just the same as Amber Lee did in 2016 before the reforms came in. Yes. And so I think, what the hell?
1: Yeah, how long did she actually spend in jail?
0: So she had also served almost three years in pre-sentence custody, so she'll be eligible for parole at the end of next year, 2024. Yeah.
1: So I assume what happened, and you're about to tell us no doubt, is that there was a plea deal done.
0: Yeah, she offered to plead guilty.
1: To the lesser charge of manslaughter. Of manslaughter. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I honestly, maybe it makes me a crim nerd, but I was avidly watching for news. That does make you
1: a crim nerd, The yes.
0: committal hearing. I I was really curious to yes. see how this new charge would play out in court Yes. and what the definition of reckless indifference would actually be and how they would prove that yep. she had been, yep. you know, and then... And then if she was convicted, yeah. she would get life in prison, mm. which to me, when I read about those poor little babies, I mm. thought fair.
1: That's appropriate. Okay. Fair. All right. Well, I don't know if you're going to complain about this, but I um, uh, because of the, so far we haven't disagreed on anything. I think we're oh, exactly that, that on the come. same page. Yeah. Well, I don't. Are we talking about plea deals? Because that can often be a point of contention, and particularly, I found people in the public don't always understand them and the utility of them. How how sensible they can uh, they can be. Go ahead. Okay. Well, so I mean, I wasn't obviously a lawyer involved in the case, so I don't know exactly what went on. I'm going to take some educated guesses that the lawyers representing the mother, having looked at all of the material, decided that they wouldn't win a trial. Uh, and and approached the prosecutors and said we'll plead guilty to a lesser charge. And so then the prosecutors are in the position they can run a trial, impanel a panel of jury, spend public money, trying to prove a reckless indifferent murder charge, with the possibility that they would fail. It sounds unlikely, but I mean there's always a possibility when mm. you put something in front of a jury. Oh yes, um, always. Always a possibility. So. And, and so it's sort of bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. They had a, a definite conviction but for a lesser charge which they could take which would, I mean, saves the public purse a, a fair swagger money because running trials are expensive, saves time and, you know, allows the matter to be dealt with quickly so that the overworked criminal justice system yes. can move on to something else. And look,
0: as a prosecutor, mm. I was involved in accepting plea deals. Yes. And I do not have an issue with a plea deal in principle. Yes. But we were told as prosecutors that it would only be appropriate to accept a plea if it still adequately reflected the criminality of the accused. Yes. So we're not letting them. Letting them off effectively. So you can't right.
1: offer to plead to, you know, an assault when you. A you grievous know, bodily harm. Yeah, or a grievous bodily yeah. harm. You, you've got to. The price is only accepted if it's yeah in the ballpark, as it were. And it so be,
0: that it, I think is where I struggle here because there's been so much being discussed and done to demonstrate that mm. this kind of offending is actually murder.
1: Mm. Well, when you say it's actually murder, it, I mean, technically it is potentially now under the reckless indifference. Well,
0: that's what the aim of the the reform was. Yeah,
1: to, to pick up this kind that's of That's right.
0: Yeah. And so then to have someone who has committed an offence that could have been tailor-made for a reckless indifference murder charge to plead guilty to manslaughter and get the same penalty that was imposed pre the inquiry, the recommendations, the reform, well, why did we bother? You know?
1: I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but, I mean, the the, the punishment obviously is handed out by the court. The court decides that based on the submissions of the prosecutors, presumably the prosecutors.
0: Well, they're still tied by precedent. You know, they're still tied by past cases. Yes. So because it's the same charge, manslaughter, it's not a new charge, then they still have this bank of cases that have been deemed By the community. Well, sorry, by the
1: courts, I think. No,
0: deemed by the community to be unsatisfactory. Oh,
1: yeah. Sorry,
0: yeah. But the courts are bound by the law of precedent to apply them. Yes. So I wanted to tell you what Parliament said when they introduced the new charge, like the reason for this new charge. Many unlawful child killings in Queensland result in an offender being convicted of manslaughter rather than murder for a range of reasons, including difficulty in establishing intent, even when the death is due to physical abuse. Including recklessness as an element of murder will capture a wider range of offending as murder in Queensland. Reckless murder exists in a number of other Australian jurisdictions, reflecting that intention and foresight of probable consequences are morally equivalent. That is, a person who foresees the possibility of death is just as blameworthy as the person who intends to kill. Mm. And yet and she yeah. was convicted of manslaughter.
1: The, the practicalities of the criminal justice system went sh- out.
0: Yeah. I should say there was criticism of this new provision. Mm. I wasn't sure if you would agree or not. And one criticism I read was by Chris Neist, okay, who yeah. is um, a defence Famous defence lawyer. Also an author.
1: And and script writer, movie writer. Yes.
0: And he wrote an article in the Mm Courier-Mail and it said, 120 years after the Queensland Criminal Code proclaimed those who set out to kill intentionally, not recklessly or indifferently, must face mandatory life imprisonment, the Palaszczuk government overriding protestations from the Law Society, the Women's Legal Service and the Queensland Bar Association Extended the definition of murder to include the concept of reckless indifference. Mm. The new definition will no doubt see some criminally bad parents locked up for life. And probably the odd drunken teenage hoon who recklessly rolls his car and kills somebody in the process. Mm. Or the soccer mum too preoccupied with the car radio and texting her friends to notice she's about to run right over the toddler from next door.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's his criticism. Yeah. Mm, I think that's fair. <laughs> I, yeah, I do too. I
1: think he points out some. I mean, we're talking about it in a, in very specific cases in terms of neglect of, of children. Mm. But I mean, the other examples he gave, I think, uh, you know, I mean, the, the idea of, of, you know, teenage drivers crashing and killing one of their friends. You know, that is something which sounds like it would be captured by this reckless indifference murder now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, and we've said this before, and I don't want to bore people who aren't Queensland lawyers, but I think the problem really is our mandatory life for murder here. Yes. We didn't have that. It it wouldn't be really an issue, I don't
0: think. And and look, I agree with you on that one.
1: You've got an international case. We're going to talk about that? So
0: because I wanted to look at, or I I ended up looking at common factors Mm. in child homicide. Yep. And so, one of them, obviously, is a history of child abuse. A Victorian study identified that there was often abuse preceding a child homicide. But, you know, not always. No. It was not necessarily a precursor. Previous family violence, maybe not against the child, but a violent home is often a factor. So, I mean, that's... Evidence of that cycle of abuse, isn't it, where intergenerational, you know, you treat others how you've been treated. But another common factor is this idea of having a child protection history, so interactions with child services of some kind.
1: And what, them not detecting the... Imminent danger to these children. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. So Australian researchers noted many fatal abuse cases involve a history of abusive behavior towards the child and have therefore come to the attention of the child protection system before the death. And that was absolutely the case yep. for Mason Jetley. Yeah. Yeah. His family had been the subject of numerous reports and investigations by various support and protection agencies. It wasn't just one. Mm. There was a number of them. Mm. There was actually so much evidence of the interactions that those agencies had had with Amber Lee and clear knowledge of the circumstances that she and her children faced in terms of abuse, addiction, homelessness, Mm. yet there was not any follow-up or even concern Mm. for Mason. Yep. Anyway, it brings to mind another horrendous case, this one from the U.S., um, that involved the murder of an eight-year-old boy, Gabriel Fernandez.
1: So was it murder? It was charged with murder?
0: Let's, let's, let's listen. <laughs> let's Spoiler listen. alert. Right, um, yep. So there was a Netflix documentary okay. on this, if okay. people want to go and watch it. Yep. His mother and her boyfriend were charged. So these two... The day or leading up to his death, he was tortured with a BB gun, Mm. pepper spray, coat Mm. hangers and a baseball bat. He had suffered multiple skull fractures, Mm. multiple broken ribs. His throat was burned and Mm. he had ligature marks on his ankles. He didn't die until two days after that torture. When his death was investigated... It turned out he had suffered abuse at the hands of those two for pretty much the whole time he'd lived with them, which thankfully was only, you know, somewhere between one and two years. Yeah. Some reports state that his mother had never wanted him. She left him at the hospital when he was born and he was raised by two different extended family members. Really beautiful upbringing to that Mm. point. But then apparently his mother wanted to get the welfare benefits attendant oh, nice. on having him in her care and so she took him back against everyone's protests mm. and that was when he was seven almost immediately a teacher at his first grade class noticed signs of abuse and she rang family services yeah. child protection yeah in late 2012 she called the child abuse hotline so a caseworker went out to check that the family situation. She noted the children at the residence, there were two older siblings as well, were appropriately dressed, visibly healthy and did not have any marks or bruises. That was her assessment. They were called multiple times after that to report injuries to Gabriel. He had told his teacher some things that had happened to him, but on the couple of occasions when that was followed up he would not always stay true to those stories Mm. he would sometimes recant them they said they didn't see any evidence of bruising when they went to see him so in may 2013 he died so they'd been involved in investigations into Mm. his care for about six months he was often bound and gagged and he was locked in a cabinet called the cubby so the netflix documentary made a little bit of the time he spent in the box he would spend days in there Um, he was forced to eat cat feces he'd been hit so hard he couldn't breathe he'd been made to perform oral sex on a relative and at the age of eight he had written numerous notes saying that he wanted to kill himself so it was horrendous yeah his mother and the stepfather were charged with murder yes thank god
1: okay so what state was this in,
0: Uh, California okay the thing of note which is a bit of a side issue from what I'm talking about today yeah. but four caseworkers were charged really in relation to his death
1: wow yes
0: okay so really, the caseworkers
1: who went to the house didn't didn't notice anything so or... they
0: were charged with child abuse and falsifying public records wow on the reasoning that they had demonstrated an improper regard for human life and a lack of vigilance the facts that were considered um, included an analysis that a caseworker did using a computer program that estimated Gabriel's likelihood of abuse was high. Yes. But then closed off the case and did nothing further.
1: Wow. So what was the falsifying records, did you?
0: That was about the falsifying records, due diligence had not been done by any of the caseworkers oh, in terms of follow-up nice. and documents had been falsified to, to cover that up. F- oh, yeah. Wow. So they were all charged and it was, you know, moving along. And then in March 2020, all of the charges ended up being dismissed. Against everyone? Against all of them.
1: Oh, my Lord.
0: And the reasoning for that was partly because there was this argument that they couldn't be deemed to be in control of the mother and the stepfather and their actions. Oh, so
1: the the charge against the caseworkers was dropped? Yep. What? But not against oh,
0: not against. The, no, no, they oh, got convicted. The okay. Yeah, yeah. And then the other reason was that there was different people responsible for different parts of the neglect and putting it all onto. Right. You know, okay. So. I
1: see. So, but okay. So the mother and the stepfather. What happens to them?
0: Yeah, they were convicted
1: of murder. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's and the and the intention was this reckless indifference.
0: I oh, know. I just started talking about that because of the commonality of also
1: was it absolute straight-up intent child,
0: and, child in, reporting well I don't know what it is in California I don't no, know what the law is no. but my focus here was that there is this common element of child protection yes and I saw yes. a similarity yes. in lack of follow-up yes and and look I I 100 know that mm. our family services community services are vastly underfunded and understaffed and yes. I it would be the most difficult job yes and the people who do it are amazing for Mm. the job that they do i think that there are issues yeah with you know not talking amongst agencies Mm. not having enough staff and money yeah so that's a different issue yeah but i feel like maybe mason could have been saved yeah just like gabriel could have yes. been saved well
1: i think it's interesting these because i don't know a lot about it but i do know they have like this uh, program in california where they you know they put in the factors or whatever and it gives you a statistical likelihood of Risk. Uh, yeah because i think again i'm no expert but i think the, there's so much commonality in these cases that you can actually plot it on a chart yeah, so absolutely. That, you know that in some sense would, you know, I don't know what they what they do here, if they invest in that kind of stuff. But, I, I mean, I do know that there's, you know, predicting likelihood of harm is difficult in a lot of cases but I think a bit easier in these child neglect cases. Yeah,
0: I think so. I see that there are things that can be anticipated when it comes to child homicide in terms of how can we try and reduce it. Mm. But I keep coming back to the fact that it, it will happen. Yes. And I want to see child homicide being charged as murder. Yes. I'll just really quickly finish off with... Well, we seem
1: to be moving in that direction. Yeah, I mean, well, two the other law does cases. move slowly, but it is moving.
0: Well, I thought Connolly was going to be it. Okay. But then there was one other one, a fellow called Fisher, his surname was Fisher, Mm-hmm. He was, this was 2020, he was charged with murder on the basis of reckless indifference. Yeah. This was in relation to a little 11-month-old baby girl. Mm. And it was not his baby. It was Mm. his girlfriend's baby. Mm. And she had left that baby with him just for a short time while she went out. But the baby wouldn't settle, was screaming. And he picked her up and he squeezed her. And then he shook her. Yeah. And it caused a fatal combination of head, spinal cord, and other injuries. Mm. She died four days later. So, again, he's charged with murder on the basis of reckless indifference. Yes. Do you want to guess what happened?
1: Plea deal and he pleads out to a manslaughter. manslaughter. And what does he
0: get? And he got... Nine years imprisonment. Okay. Eligible for parole after serving half of that. He'd spent about two and a half years on remand, so he had another two years to serve. If you look at his case at all, it is a little different to Connolly's. Mm. He was 18. Yeah. Very, very young. He had had a pretty tough upbringing himself. Yeah. But interestingly, I was speaking to my 18-year-old son and his best mate, who's 19, And I gave them the facts of this case of Fisher. Mm. And I said, so do you think that's a murder or do you think that's less serious? It should just be Mm. manslaughter. And, you know, if anyone knows my 18-year-old, he's not the type to really get into legal discussions with me. But for about 10 minutes, they both sat there and talked about it and said, well, this is a really hard one. Like it sounds Mm. like. A murder charge, but then, you know, he didn't shoot the baby. Mm. You know, and and I, I get that it's hard, but I think if we have a recognition and if we play out what the legislative reform is and start treating these as murder mm. and people start getting life in prison, maybe it will have a deterrent effect. Maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. maybe.
0: That's my hope.
1: Yeah, well, uh, uh, they well, are
0: most vulnerable little victims, aren't they?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, the, certainly one way to prevent crime is through um, punishments that deter crime. But mm. um, perhaps a better way would be—I don't know—some kind of educating people about dealing with children.
0: I do think someone like Fisher, at age eighteen with an eleven-month-old, no experience, is a different kettle of fish yes. to someone like Connolly. Yes, twenty-seven at the time. Yep. Knowledge of the risks and over
1: a period of time, yeah. a period of months. I mean, that's
0: yeah, so I mean, yes, I think, yeah, the Fisher case does not make me as upset, no, I suppose, as yeah. Conley and Lee, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, there, really uplifting right. episode was for yourself, very, you, very Joe.
1: Difficult episode. You've done fantastic research, so, um, Lizzie, you um,
0: well, when you're interested in something, it's night work, is it,
1: yeah, well. And we no disagreements for the whole episode.
0: That is miraculous. I know.
1: I think we have had another episode like that. but
0: They're rare. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Let's see what we can get up to next time.
1: Lovely. All right. Thanks, Lizzie.
0: Thanks, Joe.
1: Thanks for tuning into this episode. You can find links to the cases that we discussed in the description. You can also find a link to Guardian Criminal Law and a big shout out to them for making this podcast possible. The majority of criminal cases involve people, normal people, people like you, people like me, who find themselves in an unusual set of circumstances that would not usually occur in their life. My name's Mark Savick and I'm here to assist you with your criminal matter. I look forward to hearing from you and being of assistance to you. If you're interested in clips, you can look at them on Instagram and TikTok. Just search for Justice Matters Pod. See you next episode. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?